from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the G and Ursula Show with G. Scott and Ursula Voitine. Oh, what's on my mind this morning, I tell you. I walk into the studio this morning and I realize I ain't never seen this outfit that Ursula's wearing. I like this fit you wear. So can you explain your choice? Did you make this decision to wear what you're wearing right now last night or this morning? This looks like it was last night. No, it was this morning. Okay. Because I listened to Nick Allard's weather forecast and I heard it was going to be chilly. Uh-huh. So I put a heavy sweater on. Okay. But I was feeling kind of hip this morning. All right. So I have some leopard print pants. Got some leopard <laughs> What did CV's gonna tell everybody? And by the way, if you guys listen to the show, it's a lot more fun if you get on the stream and see us. Right now, Ursula's looking jazzy with the sweater and the leopard pants. There's just so much thoughts goes through my mind when I see someone wearing leopard pants. I know. I, you know what goes through my mind every time we turn on the mics at nine o'clock? What? What random thing is <laughs> she gonna bring up? <laughs> you're, you're on a whole new level today. All right, let's go okay. over the show today. Well, how important is your child's school district? Mm. There are at least five Western Washington districts that have made the list of the most enviable in the country. We'll tell you which ones those are, and then we'll have a discussion about that mm. uh, because there are some things that you might not be thinking about when it comes to your neighborhood school district. As always, we invite you to join us on our Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line, 888 776 888 Cairo. Top stores of the day brought to you by Wastecar 40, Suzu and Auburn. A proposal to limit annual rent increases was one of the most controversial bills this legislative session, and it appears to be dead, at least for now. The Senate Ways and Means Committee decided not to take action on it, which means it likely is not going to move forward. State Senator Mark Mullet is one of two Democrats on that committee who joined all Republicans in opposing the measure. You know, right now, I think we build roughly 45,000 housing units a year. We're trying to get to 55,000. We're trying to do an extra 10,000 above our normal build rate. I think if that bill had passed, we could have dropped down to 30,000 or 35,000. And we're a sales tax state. So when you lose sales tax on construction from homes, those are your big ticket items. I mean, you're building $500,000 ticket items. So not only do you have fewer homes for people to live in, but you have actually less money in your operating budget. Try to provide those supports for people who are going through a tough time. And and I feel really strongly this bill would have sent us in the wrong direction. Important to note that State Senator Mark Mullet is also running for governor. The bill would have limited annual rent increase to 7%, but exempted new construction and certain landlords. It would have also put a cap on late fees, limiting it to 1.5% of the monthly rent. I'm so conflicted with this topic, and I stood up and I was saying something to Chef, and you overheard me. Uh, I really don't like how I feel about this. And the reason why I'm really, really torn on this topic first, a third of us in this state. Are renting right now so we're renters a third of us right and a third of though of us are right here we are seeing the increase time and time again of our rent going up dramatically we've talked about this Ursula has gone up 20% in the last three years we all know where our wages have not gone up and so it's really getting hard out there for all of us with that being said I also on the other side of things Ursula I feel some type of way 
telling someone that they have a cap on how much that they can charge. Because once you open up Pandora's box in that area, then now we're going to be going into other areas in which you try to tell someone what they can charge. The bottom line is this. There's two biggest reasons, and I'm still torn on this topic. I don't really have an answer, but I'll leave it with this. There needs to be more housing built. This has been a problem since the recession of 2008. We have not had the housing is built because of all of the red tape that developers and builders tell us about here in this state. That's number one. And number two, the most important thing, people need to make more money. There's that. And you and I are in absolute agreement when it comes to we need more housing. And this bill would, I believe, have hindered that uh, ability or desire in many ways to build more housing. So every economist who testified on this bill or who has weighed in on it in articles has argued that capping rent would reduce Washington's rental housing supply. You have less supply and more demand. You will have an even bigger problem with the lack of housing. You not only screw the landlords, but you also leave renters high and dry. And while I do absolutely believe that people need help with rent, I don't think this is the answer. And so I, for one, am happy that that they did not approve this. Um, if you ask anyone who owns a property, what's happening with insurance, your taxes, your utilities, all those things are going up faster than the the. Uh, rate of inflation also I feel awful I just I just feel awful that I'm uh that I'm I lean more towards being against this while well, I uh, like well, I just I think you can I think you can I don't think you need to feel awful because I think that there can be other ways to address the fact that house I mean that that rent and, and one of the things that you've brought up is uh the the need for better wages yeah uh, that that is one, and I know, uh, Chef, you're chomping at the bit to yeah. to weigh in on this. You're not going to build your way out of the affordability crisis in our state within the next 20 years, mm-hmm. okay? But lawmakers had a chance in this session to do something today, this year, that would provide housing stability to one third of the people in our state, like 40 percent of Americans cannot afford an emergency $1,000 expense, right? Most of us cannot afford, at the drop of a hat, to put $8,000 down on a new apartment when our old one goes up 25% and we can no longer afford it. This is a massive missed opportunity, in my opinion. And if Senator Mark Mullet is so concerned about the ability to build housing in the state, I have not heard one conversation from the legislature this year from either side about what we're doing to make it easier for builders. I'd love to hear that part. That is something that we absolutely have to address, taking away a lot of the regulations that keep... Which I said. Yes, exactly, which also (laughs) drive up the prices. So I think we're in agreement with that. But again, I think there is this assumption that, okay, so we have a, a third of people in the state of Washington are renters, and if we do this, that means what's going to happen when they have a chance to increase the rent? They're going to. If, if I tell you, gee, you got to limit how much you're going to charge for your services at 7 percent, the first opportunity that you have to increase or get out of this business, what are you going to do? Right. Um, I, I also want to want to talk about this as we're talking and, and talking about this. Um, the problem that we have is not because of landlords and their increase of rents or not. 
the problem that we have will not be fixed on a cap of 7%. The problems that we have right now are way before this, right? There all kinds of stuff. The, the student loan debt and the predatory the interest rates that are put on those, uh, lack of opportunity for some, uh, redlining that happened years ago. A lot of the reasons as to why we are here today so many people can't even afford to get into homes here. So because of that, a third of us are renting. And so what is happening now? People that are renting are being taken advantage of. You're paying, right? Brother Kai texted into the show yesterday, and he made something that was so on point. He said so many are out of touch of what prices really are because you bought your home years ago. You have a mortgage, sometimes under $1,500. So you don't understand what it's like for young Gen Z to be out here to try to buy a home. They literally cannot buy a home. They can't save. And because of that, they're forced in the rental market. So I want to just say this. The reason, the number one reason why I kind of feel better about being against it is this. We cannot look at the landlords and be like, hey, well, we're going to go ahead and go after you because of all of the other problems that we have. Yeah. If you can show me where it has worked, any sort of rent cap has worked uh, and has had dramatic improvement on on the situation, then I might be more likely to agree with it. But I've yet to see that. Okay, the government is trying to block the largest grocery store merger in U.S. history. The Federal Trade Commission, along with nine states, is suing to stop that proposed $25 billion deal between Kroger and Albertsons. And we get more from CBS Jolene Kent. The FTC argued that the merger of Kroger and Albertsons would be bad for competition, lowering worker wages at the grocery store and driving up the cost of food, which has soared since the pandemic thanks to inflation. So you probably remember that Washington filed its own lawsuit to block that merger last month. Kroger, which owns QFC and Fred Meyer, and Albertsons, which owns Safeway, Mm -hmm. claim that blocking the merger is actually going to harm consumers and workers. They say it also enables the big giants like Amazon, Walmart, and Costco to continue their growing dominance in the grocery industry. Most people, when they look about uh, this, this conversation, and I was, I am for this being blocked. I am wanting the FTC to win. Me too. Okay? I want to just get that out of the way. But I also, that's coming from a couple of places. One, I know people at Safeway Albertsons, so I might be a little biased in my opinion. That's number one. Number two, Ursula, most people don't care. Most people, when you tell them, hey, if this happens... Your grocery bill is going to go up. Oh, they'll care. To which, no, 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 hear me out. Most people are saying, what? My grocery bill has already gone up. So we don't know. So then you hear one side of things. People are saying your grocery bill is going to go up even more. And then on the other side, they says, well, if this doesn't happen, your grocery bill is going to go up. So the only thing that people really know right now is that their grocery bill has gone yeah. up. That's it. Yeah, I... I like the fact that I have choices. I think there is a, for me, there's a big difference between QFC and Fred Meyer, even, even those two. 
Okay, and they're owned by the same company. Uh-huh. But they're marketed differently. I, they're, they have different feels. I go to QFC for certain things. I go to Fred Meyer for certain things. Uh-huh. I go to Albertsons for certain certain things. I go to Safeway for certain things. Do you really? You do all that? Yes. Really? <laughs> yes. I can tell you why I go for what. Um, I mean, to me, mm-hmm. Fred Meyer is one of the cheapest of, of the bunch. Mm-hmm. I mean, when it, when it comes to getting good deals, I'd say Fred Meyer and Safeway for me. So if I want to spend a little more, but maybe get a little more quality for me, QFC. All right, so keep it a buck. You really do yes. go to multiple grocery stores? Yes. Wow. I, yes, I, just, I, I, just I, go, I have my favorites. Absolutely. I just go to the, and I think there are a lot of people like that. I think most people, hmm, I think most people go to the same store. They just okay, go to that us, one store that's in your neighborhood. Oh, I mean, the majority of time I'm going to the closest one that's most convenient happens to be a Safeway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it was a, a more expensive store, yes, if yeah. I'm going to be going, I'm going to go elsewhere. But again, I would rather have those choices versus everything being the same and having no competition. Sure. Okay, we've got to share this. This is a tragic story. A Navy veteran is fighting for his life after his family says he was ambushed by multiple gunmen in a drive-by shooting. And they said it was random while he was driving home from work. It happened just over a week ago on Southbound I-5 near 405. Adam Hershey tells Como 4 News that his brother Evan's car was hit 20 times by bullets from a handgun and a rifle. I don't think he knew that he was hit until after he had stopped. I think that he just felt his car, you know, being destroyed around him. He tells Como 4 News one of the bullets destroyed Evan's kidney, another severed his spine. Everything that he's accustomed to doing and being is completely changed now. Um, he continues to have no feeling in the lower extremities, um, which we fear could be permanent. And he says Evan was in the Navy for eight years. He is loved by so many. He was the guy that would always be there for you, wanted to make you laugh, wanted you to know that you were loved and appreciated. And the state patrol is looking for any witnesses to the shooting. Again, it happened uh, just over a week ago, southbound I-5 near 405. It is the 12th confirmed freeway shooting in King County since the start of this year. Yeah, I think that these shootings on the freeways has us all a little bit nervous because you have that feeling like, man, this is random. It can happen to any of us. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, Ursula, this story right here, you're talking about it. Um did you say there was 20 rounds, right? That was so yeah, allegedly we, we, this, we have a call it, into State Patrol, right? So, Chef, so, and also we're tr- hoping to get a hold of the family so, because we need more details. We need a little bit more details. Now, I, I'm just going to I'm just going to say that 20 rounds hitting a car, yeah, that's bad. That's scary. But the way it feels in my gut, like, is that random? And by the way, if there is randomness that's happening where 20 rounds are being dumped, then we should really be afraid. And that's why talking to the Washington State Patrol would be good on this topic. It just doesn't feel and sound random when you start talking about 20 rounds, Ursula. Yeah. The part that's also scary is that it is the 12th confirmed freeway shooting in King County, and it's barely even getting a blip. I'm I'm purposely looking at this story and bringing up this story because it's almost as if we're just getting so used to, used to it. it. Yeah. Ah, another freeway shooting. Yeah. I mean, y'all, this could be anybody. Mm-hmm. I didn't even get to the story about the, the deadly shooting on the light rail train yeah. that happened on Sunday. Yeah. 
as, as getting bad. But this, yeah, this this freeway stuff, we're talking about it too much, too often. I just wonder if anybody is driving right now or, or if you're not driving, do you think about this when you get in your car? Do you think about this maybe if it's at nighttime, you're in your car randomly like, hmm, I wonder if somebody or you get a little nervous when somebody pull up uh, next to you? Yeah, it's kind of scary. All right, I'm going to make this a little uh, light before we get out of this segment. Ursula, I just want you to know that if you pulled up next to me in your Subaru. (laughs) I'm harmless. I feel feel pretty good. I'm harmless. Uh, Coming up next here, uh, 947, uh, we're going to find out what a CEO says that you should maybe eat for dinner. You really got to stick around for that one. But up next, be honest. How important is your child's school district? We discuss that next. Generously. and Ursula show. Happy Tuesday to all of you. It is already February 27th. We're almost at the end of February. Mm, almost time to pay rent. Oh, my. <laughs> that's never going to get out of your no. head, huh? No. Like the, the where, what day no. I'm, no. you're at is, is uh, related to, to rent. If there's anybody that can relate to this, I used to have so much anxiety, anxiety at yeah. the end of the month. Yo, I can't look. <laughs> it's just like, how are you going to get creative once again? That feeling of. <laughs> and then I, you know, I used to make sure I have it on the fifth. You know what I'm saying? And then I used to be like, okay, make sure it's at the fifth, late at night, very oh. last. It, man, I'm telling you, you get some anxiety. So what, wow, what's happening? What for you got sure. For? Well, we're going to talk about anxiety when it comes to figuring out where you're going to live and how much a school district weighs in on that decision. Okay. And we're talking about this because apparently we have five of the most enviable school districts in the entire country. Which one are those? And this it's a survey of parents from Test Prep Insight. And of the top 250 most enviable districts in the country, Issaquah ranked number 26. Mercer Island was 94th. Bellevue came in at 149th. Lake Washington, 182nd, and Bainbridge Island at 207. Hmm. <laughs> and I know if anyone is familiar with all of those districts, a couple of things come to mind when it comes to similarities. <laughs> it's cheap to live there. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things would be uh, the higher income bracket, right. I would say, would be right. a big thing. Right. But how important was it for you, for example? <laughs> Let's make this relatable because okay. I want to. Okay, or I'll, I can share w- what it was in in my case. Okay, talk to me. Okay, so from the very beginning, when we were looking to buy a house, school district, and you know, education ranks very high. I told you beyond no beyond a house, no our kids' education is where we put most of our money, mm-hmm. and so it was very important where we were going to buy our house. And then it turned out, okay, we decided we were going to live in Seattle because we wanted to also live close to my in-laws. They lived in Seattle. They lived in Northeast Seattle. And we're like, okay, great. Northeast Seattle of, of all the different quadrants in the Seattle School District. Right. That was generally considered the best 
area for public schools, Seattle mm-hmm. public schools. And then we move into the house and then we still went to private school. <laughs> um, now, my kids, I told you, I shared with you that uh, our youngest son in the middle of his time at Blanchette at one, it was begging at one point to go to the local public high school to go to Roosevelt. Why? And one of the things he says, Mom, there's a lack of diversity. <laughs> <laughs> he knew he was going to get my heart strings. <laughs> right. He ended up, stay, he ended up uh, staying at Blanchett. Mm-hmm. I, I bring all this up, though, because when it comes to housing and when it comes to school districts, it is very important. And I, I looked up a couple of things, but I want you to answer first. Well, I, I, I'm debating on what answer I should give you guys. <laughs> the real one. You know what I mean? The like, truthful I don't, one. Because some of my truthful answers might not come off the right way. I'm nervous of that. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, so I hear you. Let, me, let me start and set it off with this. Um, 95 to 99% of parents want the best for their kids. Fair. We what you we like? I, don't, I, I would say yes. I, I I can't imagine most you, parents would let, not want the best for their kids. Okay, but what want, is the best? Right, right. So we're gonna start off with that. And I have always gone to private school. Mm-hmm. Me personally, mm-hmm. I always went to private school. Um, that's what my mom and dad made happen for me. So when I came time for me to have kids. I just assumed that the neighborhood that I would live in, right, would probably not be the schools that my kids would attend. Now, when I was younger, when I was younger as a parent, they went to public school. I'm not against public school at all. All right. right? So, because like I said, proponent of public. Right. So I don't want what I'm saying. That's why I'm kind of nervous to give you guys the real answer. But I'm going to tell you what went through through my heart. I'm like, yo, at least I want them to go to private school in high school. So what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to get them really good at sports. No, I'm telling y'all the truth now. I'm telling you the truth. They're going to have to get really good at sports, my plan, and in that way they can go to a private school and they can go and get the private school education because my thing is exactly what my father told me. He said, champ, I spend all this money for you to go to school with a lot of future leaders of the world. I need you to go learn what they are learning. Mm. That was his point. Mm -hmm. And I lived on that point and I wanted to do the same thing. Yeah. Well, I will say this. The the enviable districts, I think, are well-deserved. I mean, I've heard Issaquah, Mercer Island, I've heard, has an excellent school district. Uh, North Shore is another one. They better. No excuses. Yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) but here's here are a couple of things that you might know, not know. 30 percent of buyers between the ages of 33 and 44 named quality of the school district as the top factor when choosing their neighborhood. For sure. Uh, This is according to the National Association of Realtors. Um, Homes in those top performing districts will sell eight days faster on average and get 26 percent more views than the average listing. Again, if you want to know how important school districts are when it comes to, I mean, it's like location, location, location. It's really school, school, schools. Uh, what makes a school more desirable? What do you think is on the top of the list? Test scores. Yep. High test scores. 
AP programs, music programs, diversity, and after-school programs. Of course, graduation rates also. Um, Economists have said that they estimate that within suburban neighborhoods, there's a 5% improvement in test scores will raise your housing prices by 2.5%. That's how important schools are when it comes to neighborhoods. Kai, Kai just asked, what's the reasoning for private school other than sports? Well, I'll tell you, Kai. Smaller classroom sizes. Right? Sometimes. Uh, well, yeah, I, I just, it was always simple to me. Yeah. Like, I think that a child has a better opportunity to learn in a class of 13 to 14 kids. Yes, for sure. As opposed to 40 and 45 kids. Yes. Right? So yes. that's why I thought of that. And two, you look at what is the track record of a private school in college mm-hmm. right that's that's I will a say that is the number one factor just at least based on my yeah. experience as a school board member that was the biggest draw for people going to private yeah. school is wanting their kids to go on to college see before you get mm-hmm. a chef you got, you got someone you might I, I don't know i was just thinking like if i had the option of sending matthew to private school would i send him to private school or would i take that hundred thousand dollars spent on school and give it to him to put on a down payment for a house and what would be better for his future I might go with the house. That's actually a great point. You? I mean, I'd argue. I'd argue. I got a theory. Here's the thing, though. Teach a man to fish. (laughs) (laughs) But here's here's another argument, too. If you get a home in a better public school district, public school district, you could save again. That's the uh, what, key. $200,000? And they make sure and- that a lot of us can't afford to get in those air- air neighborhoods to live. This is why I want to talk about another thing we don't have time to. We should ha- not have this big difference in school districts throughout the state. That's you another know, topic. Yeah, yeah, that is another topic because you know how so much of the money is made. It's which districts, which neighborhoods are willing to increase their own taxes to pay for those schools. I you know the youngest. You know Zion. You know his friend group. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, coming up next, uh, a CEO says maybe you should eat more of this for dinner. We'll do that next. Gin or so. show if you guys are good on the facebook make sure you go and follow the g and ursula show on facebook right now i posted a picture of ursula's pants she decided to wear these pants i took a picture and i posted it on the facebook page because that's what we do we're very transparent and everything that's going on ursula any thoughts about your pants (laughs) um in light of what we discussed yesterday there are no nuggets showing Oh boy! <laughs> Ooh, chef. People I be not... checking for that these days too. <laughs> We're running that back right now. Okay. <laughs> hey, if you're Wait gonna make me feel uncomfortable, I'm gonna turn around and make you feel uncomfortable. Okay. <laughs> okay. So check this out, everybody. 
Groceries are expensive. <laughs> yeah, I know you, you're like, duh. But don't you worry. The CEO of Kellogg tells CNBC his company has a solution. The cereal category has always been quite affordable, and it tends to be a great destination when consumers are under pressure. So some of the things that we're doing is first messaging. we got to reach the consumer where they are. So we're advertising about cereal for dinner. If you think about the cost of cereal for a family versus what they might otherwise do, that's going to be much more affordable. Now, even the CNBC host was like, what? I'm all for innovation and marketing, but the idea of having cereal for dinner, um, is there the potential for that to land the wrong way? Uh, we don't think so. In fact, it's landing really well right now, Carl. When we look at all of our data, of course, we would know that breakfast cereal is the number one choice for in-home consumption. We understand that for breakfast. It turns out that over 25% of our consumption is outside the breakfast occasion. A lot of it's at dinner, and that, that occasion continues to grow. Now, so check this out, Ursula. When I sent this to you and Chef, and I said, oh, my goodness, we need to talk. And I'm going to tell you. I was so mad. I couldn't believe the audacity of this CEO to tell people and suggest eating cereal for dinner. And then, has there ever been, you ever have an opinion sometime and you get, you start thinking about it and you start thinking and you ask yourself, <laughs> self, is he wrong though? Uh, is that called flip, flip, <laughs> flippity flop? I mean, I'm just saying, is he wrong? Because there's a lot of folks, real talk. Is a folks okay, eating cereal well, for let's dinner? Let's talk about you. Do you do you I'm not a big cereal eater. I have someone in my family who mm, loves yeah. cereal and we have an array. I mean, our pantry is full of cereal. Right. It's not big on my list of things to eat because if I start off with cereal and yeah. it generally is going to be sweet, if mm. I start off with something sweet like that, then there. I feel like I'm going to stay Well, first sweet of all, all cereal isn't uh, isn't inexpensive like it used to be. It's no, really expensive looking. these so days. So what? Five ninety nine for a box of cornflakes? Unless right. you, I mean, you could still get them on sale, but I've I've seen the shrinkflation. Those Lucky Charms no boxes doubt. are getting smaller. So Ursula. Let's just play a game right now. And I know everyone yes. listening, well, you got to play this game. 888-973-5476, Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line. Here you go. This is your chance. You're on an island. For the rest of your life, you can only take one box of cereal. Please text in what that cereal will be. Ursula, go. Honey Smacks. Ooh, you like Honey Smacks? That is, yes. I never thought you'd be a honey smack type of I gal. I like honey smacks. I, I, would, I was going to say Lucky Charms, but I know myself too well. Those marshmallows will be eaten, and then those Lucky Charms, mm-hmm. the this rest of the cereal would stay there. And I, I don't know if, the, if I would be able to survive on the island. Yeah, okay. The rest of that box is, is kibble, let's be exactly. honest. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, yes. So the entire time, uh-huh. Frosted Flakes has been my thing, my entire life, right? Okay. I love Tony and them. Okay, so now how, why were you surprised with my Honey Smacks? Because you and I like the same kind of thing. It's basically sugar. I mean, it's all it's just different types of sugar. <laughs> you know what I mean? Some of you know, different types of yeah, yeah, yeah. drugs. Uh-huh. Yeah, anyway, yeah. so I don't know. I was, I was about to go dark. So okay. Frosted Flakes is my number one. But if I had to go to the island, the most... my. My newly discovered cereal that, by the way, I will not eat cereal in front of my wife. Okay. Cereal is a personal thing. It's a nasty thing. I mean, I'm talking about big, nasty, big bowls of it, big spoon. Like Like, by myself. But the one cereal. Are you using half a jug of milk? Absolutely. Okay. Peanut butter Captain Crunch. Y'all. 
Y'all, that has been my newly discovered cereal? Okay, I might have to agree with you. Lord, have good. mercy. Wait, wait, wait. The way it hit the roof, the roof of your mouth? Oh! I thought you were on a bread and sugar fast. He is. But Does cereal if- count? Yeah, it count. Oh, I'm sorry, man. He's dreaming of the day. Yo, that peanut butter cap. Oh. What you got, chef? One cereal. I want to bring it back. It was Rice Krispie Treats cereal. It was like Rice Krispies, but uh-huh. they were clusters yeah. with glazed marshmallow. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> I could I could live off that stuff. Nick, what you got, bro? I got two sides, a healthy side and then the, the kiddo side. You know, the strawberry honey bunches of oats, those are very good to me now. But back in the day, I was a huge fan of the cookie crisp. That was a guilty pleasure. Mm. Oh, that was my son's, mm. my older son's favorite, mm. too. Mm-hmm. Je- it Je- had its day. Jeff and Bonnie Lake says Cheerios. Oh, wait. You, you mean to tell me you're going to go to an island by yourself for the rest of your life and you're going to have Cheerios? Cheerios Lord is a staple. I bet your or, your desk is very organized and you have your taxes filed on time every year. No, even worse. Hi. <laughs> And several others say Raisin Bran. No. No. That's one of the most sugary cereals. That's desperation. You got to sprinkle some powder or sugar on top of that Cheerios. Sweeten it up a little. Look here. The the, the Cap'n Crunch. Look, Susan of Lakewood. Yes. Cap'n Crunch does tear up your mouth. It does. It does. But 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 it's so. It's like being lactose intolerant and still having cheese and milk. It's worth it. You know, the last time we talked about cereal, you remember someone sent us boxes of grape nuts? They sure did. <laughs> Who took that? Not me. Yeah. Yo, I'm look, I'm t- if if you're listening and you're going away to the store, on the way to the store this week, and you've never had peanut butter, Captain Crunch. Ooh. ooh so wait, Ursula, is the CEO wrong? <laughs> and the CEO is brilliant because we're talking about this brilliant. now and listing all sorts of cereals. Brilliant. The idea of making it okay to have cereal. I'm sure nutritionists would have a different idea, but the idea of having cereal yeah. for do, dinner do people is eat a cost-cutting cereal? Do people measure. eat cereal in your, in your house? Uh, yes, they do. Yes, they do. Okay. People I love very much love their cereal. <laughs> Coming up next, Matt Markovich is kind of come in and explain some of the stuff going on in Olympia. It's Gene Ursula.